Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to another rebroadcast from the RTB archives. Hello, and uh, welcome to Recall This Book. And this is a additional podcast, not exactly a supplement, but a kind of add-on after uh, the Shishen Liu interview that uh, ideally you've just listened to. So if you haven't listened to it yet, um, there's probably going to be lots of spoilers in this conversation. So go back uh, so you get the soap opera plot in the correct order. But uh, what we just had such a good time with this interview and we've had sort of heard so much from people about it that we decided um, the two of us who interviewed him, Pu Wang and myself, would uh, sit down and talk about what went well in the interview, what went badly, and other things that have come up in terms of how we think about him as a writer. So uh, once again, uh, it's co-hosted today uh, by uh, Pu Wang from the German, Russian, and Asian Language and Literature Department, and me, John Plotz, from the Brandeis English Department. So um, hello, Pu. Hi, how are you? Hey, great. Uh, it's awesome to be here. So uh, I, I should give you a little bit of technical background. We're sitting in the studio after Pooh just created the Chinese language version yes, of the podcast. Exciting. It yeah. was exciting. How, how did it feel to... Uh... <laughs> I, I just feel, you know, you know, that there are there are too many kind of uh, tracks in my mind. <laughs> I know, it's true. Because we basically, it, you know, it, in the interview you listened to, the voice of Mr. Liu was given to you in English by Pooh. But, of course, now we created a track in which he's talking. Yes, yeah, so you can it, listen to Liu himself, <laughs> you know, yeah. his true voice. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I was lucky enough to hear him give a little speech at Brandeis where I heard Mr. Liu speak English, which was awesome. He, he, exactly, was, he yeah. was great. Yeah. Um, it was a very grim speech. He talked about he compared living on Earth to living in the basement of a tiny apartment house and being locked in the in a cabinet inside the basement. He said that's what it means to live on the planet Earth. Yes, yeah. and and that, that block is our uh, universe, I guess. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and the block is our universe, yeah. So we could talk about about Liu and optimism and pessimism. That might be a great, <laughs> yes. a, a good topic. Um, but so, so Pooh and I you know, talked a little bit in advance. This comes right on the heels of an interesting New Yorker profile, and which we will link to. I don't know how many folks here have had a chance to listen to it, but it's a profile that you know, really um, attacks, well, attacks maybe is the wrong word, but approaches Mr. Liu and his work from a more political standpoint than right. our interview did. So it's interesting to think about the space that opens up between how Liu presents himself in that interview versus what you just heard, these discussions about Tolstoy and about aesthetics, about science fiction as as a genre. So that, that may be one thing we want to talk about. 
Um, but but so, Pooh, the question I asked you in advance was what surprised you most in the interview? So do you want to go from there? Sure, yeah. I think the first surprise actually came before the interview. That was uh, Liu's uh, original kind of uh, uh, reaction to the list our, of our questions. Uh, he seemed to be uh, kind of uh, extremely enthusiastic about a kind of more <laughs> theory or f- uh, philosophy-oriented kind of perspective. Uh, and I guess, you know, we, we tried to, to host uh, our interview as uh, kind of not only as professors, but also as big fans of uh, sci-fi. Yeah. But still, he, he found our questions uh, uh, philosophical right? for it, good or bad reasons. For me, number one most surprising was his discussion of Tolstoy. Story, which I hope we'll get to. Right, exactly. But, but number two was the point about uh, uh, science fiction being closer to philosophy exactly, than yes. science. Yeah, and that was yeah. So tell me, tell me your thoughts about that. Yeah. You know that 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 is really striking. Uh, uh, both the 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 the, the comment on uh, uh, on Tolstoy's huge influence on him. Yeah, and he wants to emphasize that. Oh, it's not only because uh, uh, a socialist China uh, had a big uh, fascination and connection with Russian literature. Right. Uh, he thought it was also because of his own personality. There is just that affinity with a right. realist historical novelist yes. who is also very philosophical, yeah. uh, uh, morally philosophical in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with that point. I really liked the distinction he made. And, you know, it's interesting. I've been reading this book uh, by Sleskin, House of Revolution. Do you know this book? About, no. It's about, it's essentially a, a history of the early years of the Soviet. I see. You, you know, the, the the union, the revolution, right up through the purges. But it it talks a lot about the canonical authors who were popular in the early years of the revolution. Mm-hmm. And Sleskin actually makes a point very much like uh, Liu made, which was, it, it, sure, you could align, if you want, you could align writers like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky with uh, a, a, a socialist past, you could try to make them line up. But fundamentally, that wasn't what was going on. Like right. There was a, there was right. a exactly. level of attachment to them that exactly. was not explicable yes. just ideologically. Mm-hmm. And, and that really came through. And I agree with what you're saying about Tolstoy and realism. But I think the other thing that came through was the point about world building, which I think is, right. a, is a, exactly. it's a really important way to think about science fiction's relationship to realism. Because obviously, you could say, oh, well, in a realist novel, like, say, War and Peace, you don't have to build a world because it's our real world. But but we all know that that isn't how novel writing actually works. Exactly, like the, yes. the constituting of the reality, the atomic piling up of the details is a huge part of, right, of even right. realist that's, fiction. That's, that's a kind of reconstruction of the whole historical world. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I was, and what did you think about his uh, story about his own relationship to science fiction growing up? I found that incredibly moving, actually. Exactly, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I'm not super surprised by that, but, you know, thinking of uh, the, a young boy, you know, getting books uh, from underneath uh, 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 his father's uh, bed, reading the, the, the socialist translations of the, the, the sci-fi classics uh, against the twilight of uh, the cultural, cultural revolution. Cultural revolution, yeah, right, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then if I understood his point, the point was that there was then a kind of coming out into sunlight, right? The, the exactly, first generation yeah. of readers who could actually yeah, celebrate. I th- yeah. yeah, I think his point is that if you look at certain kind of uh, science fiction, uh, uh, yes, there has been a kind of a continuous tradition in modern Chinese literature of writing and reading science fiction. 
but people do not see, people didn't see science fiction as an independent, uh, autonomous genre. Uh, they they just uh, uh, consider it uh, uh, in a less self-conscious way. But uh, he considered himself as belonging to the first generation of self-conscious fan uh, 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 of sci-fi. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, totally interesting. And it does go to something that, Pooh, you and I talked a little bit about, but I think it, it is being explored nowadays, which is to think about how strong an analogy you would make between the current generation of Chinese right. science fiction and the golden age of American sci-fi, right? Exactly, like the, yes. That way in which, because as we all know, like Asimov was part of those early fan communities and then turned into, well, here in Boston, he became a, a novelist. But, um, you know, that way in which there's so many things that you could look at as analogous technological optimism right. a, a moment of world also you know in terms of the standing on the world stage being yeah, very global high rise, global yeah. rise exactly so yeah what do you think about that do you think that i yeah. think you know uh, liu Cixing, uh, as a fan of uh, uh, sci-fi never enjoyed that kind of subculture but he himself created a following yeah. of that right. subculture yeah, yeah right yeah. now uh, uh, liu fans of course uh, back in china uh, have become a community. Uh, they use uh, uh, the up-to-date uh, 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 social media uh, tools to to communicate with each other, uh, yeah. exchanging their ideas uh, uh, about uh, how to uh, 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 prompt losers into write the next masterpiece. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and we have to assume, presumably, there's going to be, as with people like Asimov, there's going to be a whole new generation of writers coming up who were not going to be imitators of him, but sure. were basically formed by the possibility possibilities that he made visible. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. I think a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, younger generations uh, uh, writers uh, see him as someone who opened the door for uh, 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 even younger uh, uh, writers of Chinese sci-fi. Yeah, that's really interesting. Can we actually use that to? I I spoke really quickly about the talk that I heard Mr. Liu give, but it's it was incredibly interesting to me because it it was characteristic of him. I think that what he has a very broad ranging vision of humanity in an enormous universe, which is right. filled with possibilities, but. He's also pretty grim about the dangers that are out there, too. Like, in other words, when I think of the Golden Age, when I think of people like Asimov, it's, there's something permanently upbeat. It's like always in a major key, mm -hmm. you know. But when I when I hear Liu talk, I hear both incredible, wide ranging vision and also a kind of minor key, you know, uncertainty and uh, darker vision. Yeah, yeah. Darker vision. Yeah. Yeah. True. You know, I mean. Remember in the interview, he also mentioned this internet dystopia. Yes. So if if totally. every every desire of yeah. mine can be fulfilled so easily with a smartphone, why do yeah. I need to move beyond this uh, basement in, apartment? And, right. Know? And in fact, if I understood what he was saying, wasn't he saying that the people would actually be living literally on mainframes? Isn't that what he meant? That they were living on. In other words, they would be. Uh, computed beings. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So basically the ecology of this Earth yeah. will be back to pre-human yeah. conditions. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't need to, to pollute right. anything anymore. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's totally That's fascinating. Crazy, yeah. Right. And there's an Asimov novel, which I want to say is called Gateway to Eternity. We'll put the correct title up on the website. But it, it involves living in a world where time travel is possible. And the result is that people have become completely inward looking. And the hero, spoiler alert, the hero of the book basically breaks 
breaks the time travels loop mm -hmm. so that humanity can go outward to the stars. So that's the same spirit as what as Liu was saying, which is like, we need to explore, we need to leave this planet. But with Asimov, it's just like, hurrah. Whereas with Liu, I thought, oh, no, he, he doesn't think we're going to manage it, actually. Right. I think, you know, if we take uh, the three-body uh, uh, problem trilogy yeah. into account, yeah. Yeah. then it's great to have uh, interstellar travels, Yeah. but it doesn't lead us to any better place. Actually, it comes with huge risk. Right. So, yeah, and for those of you who haven't read, the, we'll try not to give away the vital details of the novel, <laughs> but there is a reason, like the, this title of the second volume, The Dark Forest. Is that the same in exactly, Chinese? yeah. Yeah, so the implications of The Dark Forest are very dire in terms of that notion of like, hurrah, hurrah, hey, everybody, we're here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait a yeah. second, we just told everybody we're here. Yeah, and yeah. We, can be, we can be even uh, uh, reduced in our uh, dimen dimension Nationality, right? Uh, yeah. If if a kind of higher civilization eventually figure out how to deal with it, and 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 I think that's also the power of uh, of fiction of novelistic scale. There's yeah. no kind of uh, finite uh, uh, solutions yes. or answers to to questions raised. Yeah, totally. I'm really glad you mentioned the word scale here yeah. because it does one of the connections I was thinking about is I, I often think about science fiction's relationship to naturalism. Mm -hmm. And at the if you read only one page of of Liu's. Uh, three-body problem, I recommend the introduction, or maybe it's the afterward, where he talks about scale, how he's fascinated by scale, that he said even as a kid, he realized he could conceive of things on exactly, a vaster yes. scale than other people could. Yeah. So one of the ways I try to describe three-body problem, the trilogy to, to colleagues or friends I'm trying to persuade to read it, is to say that whenever you think you've mastered the plane of the novel, right. it turns out it's rotated, that there's another right. dimension you haven't seen. So the novel itself performs that act of kind of rotation. Yeah, you yeah. Know? and also for me, the, the, the really exciting part, uh, even though I, I, I sometimes find disagreements with uh, Liu's approach or Liu's kind of uh, 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 predictions, quote unquote, is that whenever there is this new unfolding of uh, a different level that comes with new uh, civilizational options. Yeah. And that's really cool. And that's really kind of uh, 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 humanizing, but at the same time entirely beyond uh, 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 any human reality yeah. uh, as we know it today. Yeah, that's really interesting. And maybe that connects to a question that we here's another thing I was kind of surprised by. And this you could tell me that this is just me. Sure. I I, I OK, I'll just put it out there. I don't see what all the fuss is about 2001. <laughs> like I don't when he talked about how Kubrick was this genius who had transformed the way that he and so many other people saw the world. And and I said, oh, yeah, well, I just watched it, too. But actually, I watched it and I was like, I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Liu made a big deal of it. Yeah. He said it, it, it was just like a kind of clan. It's like a tribe, you know. Yeah. You, you need to have initiation into yeah, that. Yeah, I Kubrick. take that point. It's like, but it's, I, you know, yeah. I, I totally understand, you know, yeah. that the, the film is just a film. Yeah. 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 So, so I was thinking about what he said about, I mean, you know, how would you unpack what he was saying? about the different genres. First of all, I, 
I think it's clear that he wasn't saying he himself would prefer to be a filmmaker. I mean, he's happy right, exactly, as yeah. a novelist. But yeah, you know, science fiction is one of those genres, or maybe we want to call it one of those modes, that what's going on in the visual sphere is often as interesting as what's going on on, on the page. I mean, there's been some very important sci-fi movies. Right. Um, do, what do you, you know, do you think he was saying... Was he saying the, that the the film is the science fiction of the future, or? I think you know what he said really goes against my instinct as a literary scholar. <laughs> yeah, we have me this, too. <laughs> uh, we have this deep faith in the yeah. medium of uh, language, yeah. not to say the the, the the ontology of language. Yeah. but I think he he wants to be a writer he wants to work with language and words yeah but he doesn't see any problem of uh, uh, having a future of sci-fi in yeah cinema theaters yeah 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 and uh even and, though... and also to be fair sci-fi has a past in cinema as well like exactly. in other words voyage to the moon uh, uh, metropolis i mean yeah. in other words it's like as old as the film like sci-fi has been there for yes. a long time yeah. yeah but he doesn't you know uh he doesn't he he believe it seems to me he believes that if the money is there, if the financial yeah. conditions are favorable, if the technological industrial conditions are there, we can make really great sci-fi yeah. blockbusters. Even though he don't want to be, he doesn't he doesn't yeah. want to be part of it. Yeah. So speaking of which, have you seen Wandering Earth? The yeah, film? I saw it. You know, yeah. I I contributed to its uh, box office by going to the only uh, 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 cinema theater that aired it. Uh, uh, in, Fenway, in, right? Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. 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 I know. It was it was a lonely lonely voyage. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I know. So what, let's talk about it. What did you think? And have you read the story too? Yeah, yeah. I, I read the story, you know, in a really kind of fast, you yeah. know, kind of cursory Yeah, yeah, me, me too. Yeah. I think, you know, still, you know, he, he said so many great things about the, the, the power of uh, visual, uh, kind of visuality. But I see yeah. a lot, you know, totally missing in the cinematic it's true like the nature right the nature of the political struggle in the story which you briefly alluded to between the people who want essentially to take the whole earth out of orbit and and sail away from the sun versus the people who just want to abandon earth right that's really interesting there's all of this kind of mass suicides there's yeah, the, and, like, yeah, uh, that, yeah. that's actually pretty yeah uh, Tolstoy in, uh, in yeah. many ways it's historical yeah. novelistic but kind of stuff what yeah. I wanted to as a way of kind of getting at topology I wanted to ask if you shared my feeling that the movie was much more nationalistic than the story. I think so. And yeah. of course, uh, I, I do not see it entirely from the, uh, the the ideological perspective. I think, you know, this movie was uh, the first uh, attempt of making a Chinese blockbuster. Right. They wanted to really pitch it toward Chinese audience in mainland China. Yes. So it was, for me, much... It was released on Chinese New Year, wasn't it? Yes, and there were yes. like lines about a new year yeah, it's in, a, in the Yeah, film. exactly. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a basically, basically, for me, it's a it's market strategy. Yeah. But it definitely speaks to uh, 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 this kind of uh, nationalist uh, uh, sentiment. Uh, 
nationalist pride that is currently、uh, shared by so many、uh, mainland Chinese citizens in the age of so-called China's global、mm-hmm. rise. I mean, I might be completely off base here, but I thought in some ways it was a response to Independence Day, the American,、mm-hmm. you know, blockbuster fighting off sure, the、yeah. alien invasion, and that's like a July Fourth movie, and、right. all the heroes are American. And I did think there was a kind of tit for tat quality.、Here. Yeah,、it's、exactly. Like, I think eventually that becomes a kind of.、Uh, uh, On the on the one hand,、uh, some people would say, "Oh, this is a U.S.-China competition uh, 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 of uh, of uh, sci-fi blockbusters."、Yeah. But on the other hand, you see this mirror image. That is,、yeah. basically, they they have the same structure. The only difference is that that's U.S.、Uh, nationalism, and、yeah. here we have Chinese、right. nationalism. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of which, maybe that's a good time to talk briefly about the New Yorker profile. Sure. You, yeah. Yeah. Just tell me, will you like tell our readers about it or tell us? Your thoughts about it? Yeah, I think you know. Listeners,、um, not readers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> This profile, you know, actually got a wide distribution not only here. You know, it's from New Yorker,、yeah. so it's it's pretty big. But it also uh, uh, it was also uh, uh, widely read uh, uh, back in China. Yeah. Both in Chinese,、uh, both in English, the original English, and in 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 in, in the translated form online. Yeah. So I think、uh, in 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 this kind of conversation between a staff writer of New Yorker and、uh, Liu, yeah, the whole conversation about sci-fi turns into the the realm of Politics and especially uh, uh, today's Chinese uh, uh, politics. Yeah. But of course, this is not only Chinese domestic politics, but but about China's role uh, uh, on the global scale,、yeah. especially as China uh, uh, being a kind of uh, uh, non-democratic uh, 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 regime. Yeah. Uh, 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 But a very important player of international community、yeah. and global market. Yeah. So、uh, I think、uh, this is my reaction to 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 this、uh, profile is that Liu seems to be、uh, far less prepared. Yeah. Uh, 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 for those questions. <laughs> right. She Where, didn't. She didn't write the philosophical questions yeah, in advance. R- r- yeah. Right. <laughs> and and it's 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 a little bit amusing to 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 me because he seems to be so eager. To talk about、uh, philosophy and physics yeah, with yeah. us, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's something、uh, really interesting. And my my second point is that、uh, I I just feel you know、uh, it is totally absolutely uh, 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 feasible to、uh, raise a lot of、uh, political questions by reading Liu's work by interviewing Liu uh, uh, in person.、Uh, but the the whole piece for me、uh, seems to take. A、uh, relatively reductionist approach to what is political,、mm. and、uh, it is a it is a framework of inevitable competition、uh, between United States and China as two different uh, uh, social structures, and then project、uh, this kind of uh, uh, prediction of uh, conflict uh, uh, into a kind of sci-fi scale. And、yeah. I think、uh, people like to talk that way, but I don't want to read uh, 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 the rise of Chinese、uh, science fiction literature as the next arena of U.S.、Yes. Chinese trade、yes. war. I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a great way of thinking about、yeah. it. Let's hope not. Can I ask, like, on a kind of practical level, presumably, ev- Chinese 
into public intellectuals, including writers, who who face conversations in the West or have interviews in the West, and you, you can think about lots of people who you know made a name for themselves. They they have to know that this sort of question is coming. And do yeah. you think he was? I mean, the the man we met didn't seem like somebody who you know he's not a diplomat. He didn't seem right. like Richard Holbrook or or, or, or or Metternich or something. Right, that's it, true. He's, he didn't. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's not he's not equipped with uh, 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 good answers for uh, 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 Xinjiang questions. Yes, or, exactly. Or, or, that that was or, where it came to. You're talking about like yeah. the Uyghur stuff. Stuff. The, 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 yeah. The, 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 the demo- democracy questions and so on yeah, and so forth. Yeah. I think uh, for a lot of Chinese uh, uh, intellectuals and writers from the humanistic backgrounds, yeah. uh, it doesn't matter uh, what kind of uh, uh, ideological uh, 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 leanings they have, they seem to have a kind of very uh, 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 ready-made ideological responses to the, this kind of questions. Right. But Liu doesn't belong to that yeah. uh, uh, community. Yeah. And that's really uh, uh, interesting yeah. to, to watch. To, to me, it, it may be that he produced something that was like what he thought would be like the politically expedient response, but it just felt like, uh, yeah, it didn't feel managed in a way, what he had to say. I mean, it's also because he's, he's not in, much interested in, in his uh, public image. Yeah. And he's not ready for that or he's yeah. not. Does it, does, you, you know, it, yeah. it's the same back in China. Uh, he sees his own fame as something really unexpected. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he refuses to have uh, an agent. He refuses to, 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 to move to bigger cities. Yeah. He refuses to really be actively participating, uh, participate in, in, in the making of uh, 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 film adaptations and yeah. so on and so forth. So it's, it's, he's just a different kind of yeah. uh, writers. Uh, and it's, for me, it's, uh, uh, I don't know whether he wants to transform into a kind of more uh, sophisticated uh, 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 intellectual voice, or he would just uh, shy off, uh, shy from uh, uh, this kind of uh, uh, interactions yeah. in the future. Yeah. To me, like one of the most fascinating things he's ever said remains like somebody asked him, you know, apropos of how much Obama likes his mm-hmm. novels, you know, if you had a chance to speak to a series of world leaders, what would what would you say to them? And and I won't get the quote exactly right. He's like. But I would say not to underestimate the fear, not to underestimate the possibility of alien invasion. <laughs> like, like, right. And by, by which he obviously means space invader invasion. He's not talking about international aliens. Right, but, exactly. And that's, he was, I think that was completely sincere. Like that's like at the heart of his politics. So that, like, that, that is, yeah. you know, he, his thinking is just in a different mode. Yeah. 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 Well, um, so what, so, so final question, Pooh, what do you think we missed? Like what, what, when we, you look, look back at that interview, we, um, you know, we got him to talk about a lot of things, but what should we have, what should we have talked about that we didn't? Yeah, I actually, uh, I've given some thought to it after, uh, ever since, uh, I read the New Yorker piece. Yeah. I think, uh, if I were a New Yorker staff writer, uh, not only a kind of uh, Brandeis professor, then yeah. I, I, I would uh, really want to uh, ask more questions about 
uh, Liu's social imagination to to really uh, yeah. uh, f- follow up with all all his kind of uh, 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 brighter or darker visions of civilization. That is, how do how does uh, this Chinese sci-fi writer imagine social relations? Yeah, yeah, and that will absolutely give us a much uh, 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 liberating. Uh, a dis- discussion of the political, actually, yeah. and I think that that is a little bit missing uh, uh, in our conversation. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I was thinking about that with that image of of 10 billion humans on computers. I was thinking that would have been a good place for us to say more yeah. about the virtual and like life online and. Uh, yeah, exactly. The social the social imaginary in terms of like practical affordances of different mm-hmm. technologies, but also right the larger political implications of living together and living apart. And, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He, he. Yeah. Well, it was a fascinating conversation, nonetheless. Yeah, but, I like it yeah. very much. You yeah. know, I I think you know we're digging a lot out of the, the yeah. this writer. Yeah, and. I, I, yeah, I don't want to, you know, uh, do too much self congratulation, but yeah. uh, I think we, yeah, our our kind of interview with uh, with Liu is yeah. pretty valuable because uh, we definitely made him talk a lot about. Uh, 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 Philosophical issues. I know. Next Basically. time we're gonna have an all Tolstoy podcast. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break down the Tolstoy versus Dostoevsky. Maybe we'll talk about Goncharov and see exactly, if he like yeah. if he likes Oblomov. But I was gonna say, Pooh, you should come back sometime. We should, you know, Definitely. you you Thank should. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, totally. And if you you know, we we should do it again. If you want to pick a, a different writer for us to interview, I liked this du- dual language format. So we right, should think right, about right. that too. Right. As long as yeah. we can, we can endure the labor. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Well, that. That, that you, 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 all credit to you. Um, okay, so I think from both of us here, your co-hosts, um, I will say thank you for listening to recall this book. So my co-host today was Pu Wang, um, recently tenured professor uh, here at Brandeis. I'm John Plotz, and as always, our thanks go to Claire Ogden, who does the technical and audio editing, and Matthew Schratz, who manages our website and social media, and to Brandeis University uh, for the support. And please, uh, to listeners like you, please. Uh, do forward this to other people you think might be listen uh, might be interested in listening. Do um, uh, rate or review us on iTunes or Stitcher or our website or wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. So from all of us here at Recall This Books, thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.